Hello and welcome to Open Room Talks, a podcast which draws on open room events experiencing connecting people to bring you quality discussions between industry experts, innovative suppliers, and high-powered end-users on pertinent issues in a variety of sectors. Hello, I am Kiana Sapp, and today we are in the world of dentistry. Joining me for our third episode of Open Room Talks, I have Eric Giusecki and Brandon Halcott. Eric is Chief Executive Officer at Planet DDS. Uh, prior to joining the company, he co-founded District Line Partners, a private investment fund created to acquire and operate a single attractive business in a growing industry. He also ran One Source Water, a bottleless water cooler firm, uh, where he nearly doubled the size of the company in less than three years. Eric has an MBA from Harvard Business School and a BS in Mechanical Engineering from the University of Virginia. Brandon is the co-founder and president of True Family Dental, a Midwest-based dental support organization with offices in Illinois, Ohio, and Michigan. His focus is on helping True Family carry out its mission of helping to transform the lives of patients by creating a lifetime of healthy and happy smiles. Brandon received an AB with honors from the University of Chicago, where he played football and was an All-American track athlete. He also earned an MBA from Harvard Business School. Thank you both so much for joining me today. Thanks so much for having us. Um, I know that you both attended Dental Forum USA last year. Uh, were you doing business together before then? Or? We were. Uh, we've known each other for four years now, maybe five years. Uh, and the relationship started when True Family had grown to a number of offices. That it was necessary to have a centralized software to be able to understand what was going on in the business. We founded ourselves six years ago. And at that point, once we got up to four to five offices, knew that we needed something. I went out to the marketplace and, and looked at everything that was out there, both server-based and cloud-based, and really came up I'd like to think that I had a PhD in dental software for a period of time and looked at Denicon, ended up signing up, and Eric and I met thereafter and uh, been a great partnership and uh, great to see each other at Dental Forum and other events throughout the year. But we were, we were in business prior to that event. You mentioned centralization, uh, and that's going to form the theme of our discussion today. So, Eric, why don't you introduce the concept and talk a little bit about what it means? Sure. So, so centralization from our perspective can take a lot of avenues. We look at primarily from the software perspective and functions that are run through our practice management software, primarily billing, call centers and such. It also takes the form of what we call shared services or HR, finance, accounting and such. And so when, when we look and we talk to a lot of our folks, because we are a cloud-based system with a single patient record and single database, it allows a lot of flexibility and power when you're when you're scaling you have multiple locations. So a lot of our customers, as they grow, like Brandon did from a couple locations to 23, 30 locations, they oftentimes ask us uh, and talk to us about what elements of using our software can help them centralize to be more efficient. And centralization, from their perspective, and Brandon can speak to this um, because he's spent a lot of time living it is really just about cost efficiency. It's about one person being able to do um, one thing again and again, so being able to do that more efficiently. Uh, example would be a central billing service employee that just does billing. Ideally, that person is probably more efficient on a per transaction or per action basis than somebody who does 14 different things. So I thought it would be interesting for Brendan and I to talk a little bit about his perspective as he's gone through the journey of growth and 
I might be able to add a couple of insights that we're hearing from existing um, other existing customers that are that are scaling in large uh, about how they thought about the right time to do that. Thanks, Eric. Uh, and centralization was and continues to be a very important piece of our business and how we think about it on a on a daily basis, not only for True Family today, but also in the future. So if we take a step back, Eric mentioned we started from zero and, and grew to the point of 23 offices now. And centralization, how we've thought of that has been, uh, we've had a true north that's been what touches the patient and what doesn't touch the patient. By that, I mean, we want to have a private practice feel within our offices. We're affiliating with offices and bringing them under the true family umbrella. And that private practice feel is really important to us. We still want it to be neighborhood dentistry. So if we were to centralize everything, that feel of private practice and neighborhood dentistry would go away. So we use the lens of the patient to determine what we're going to centralize and what we're not going to centralize. An example of that would be posting statements. So a patient comes into the practice, receives care. We submit a claim to their carrier. That carrier then pays us, sends us a check and a statement, and we have to add that to the patient ledger to show that they paid. That doesn't touch the patient. If we do that in Illinois, in Michigan, overseas, that doesn't touch the patient. So that experience doesn't need to stay there. And that's the kind of example. I want to use that as an example for how we're thinking about what we do centralize and what we don't centralize. The next function that's very important from a thought process and a strategic process is timing. And that constantly is brought up within True Family because when's the right time to centralize something? Do you have enough resources to be able to do it? Do you have enough expertise? And most important, do you have enough capital to be able to move that to a central location? After you've thought about all that, then you've got to think, is this an in-source or outsource? Is this a key piece of my business that I need to own? Or is this something that I'm comfortable having a vendor handle and it's not a key piece of the business? So those are three levers, if you would, or, or three alleys to think about the centralization have been important to us and continue. And as any company scaling, it's really important to think about when you want to do that and how you want to make that investment because there's only so much that can go around if you're building the business. As we look at the functions then of centralization uh, and, and timing for that, uh, there's five buckets. So if you think of HR, F&A, marketing, IT, and then compliance and legal, and thinking about when's the right time across each of those and how we've thought of it. And I got a matrix to use across thresholds in terms of revenue. So $5 million of revenue, $10 million of revenue, and $25 million of revenue. Uh, and that's what we've gone through to date. So I've got a deep experience there, but what comes next is going to learn along the way and, and see what happens. But I can, I can share as we've grown from what was five and a half years ago, zero to where we are today, about 30 million in revenue and, and how we went about it. So first function around HR, as the business grew north of five, coming up to 10 locations, we've moved the sourcing of candidates from the practice internally to an HR specialist and an HR director. We had specific job descriptions and, and really started to hone in on providing that outsource service to the practices and being able to do that all internally. Uh, as we moved up to uh, north of 25 million, we added an additional recruiter 
and also brought on software vendors in terms of an HRIS and an ATS so that HRIS is human resource information system, a way to manage payroll, benefits, onboarding dates, uh, any annual type of um, training that's necessary, just a, a way to manage all of the team members within the organization. And then ATS, applicant tracking system, we grew to north of 20 offices. The number of postings that we had up around job boards, online, uh, our own internal website became overbearing. So having a way to understand what's there, length of time, and be able to recruit against that uh, really allowed us to get more efficient in the entire HR function. Next bucket was F&A, and so finance and accounting for healthcare and specifically dental. Revenue cycle management, or RCM, is really important because that's how we get paid and making sure that we're getting paid from patients in the proper amount of time is very, very important. So that has been uh, something that we've controlled and continue to own internally here at True Family. We haven't outsourced anything there. We haven't, we haven't brought on any vendors. Reason being for that is, look, this is our cash. Um, this is the most important piece of the business to make sure you can continue to function. Really having that having ownership of that is important to us. If you go a layer deeper, though, and look at what's being done at the practice and what's being done centrally, so even right at the earliest onset, we were paying bills centrally. We've now moved, as I mentioned earlier, posting payments. We do that all centrally now, so all insurance checks come central. We take that a step further in the revenue cycle management piece to verifying insurance. So for the patient, you verified their insurance and understand what, what benefits they have, what they have remaining, and what type of services they can get done. We've tried that, outsourced, and then ultimately brought it back. The reason being is that as we outsourced it, our practices lost the intimate knowledge of understanding insurance benefits. So we brought that back because if they lose that intimate knowledge and a patient comes in and has a question on their statement or a question on a bill, the practice might not have the information it can't answer it. And that's really important to make sure that we're answering those questions for patients and, and controlling that experience. That goes back to our neighborhood practice. As a neighborhood practitioner, your front team would be able to handle those questions. The patient wasn't handed a number to call the central department. So that for us is important um, in terms of building that function and that scalability from the centralization uh, as we got to 10 million of revenue, that's when we brought on a, a CFO, created checks and balances within the organization, and really started to focus on the revenue cycle management piece of creating KPIs, reporting, weekly audits, things of that nature to make sure that we're being as efficient there as possible. And as we scaled to that next bucket, north of 25 million, we got much closer to our payer relationships, just started discussions with them on how we can have a better partnership and a symbiotic relationship, and then also put in risk mitigation procedures within the business to make sure we're you know, counting cash on a daily basis and have audits and checks and balances for purchase orders and other types of policies in place to, to protect ourselves. Um, next bucket is uh, marketing that I had discussed earlier. So this one was, uh, was interesting in the foundation of True Family. Uh, you can obviously brand the business and have it be one specific brand, or you can have many unique brands. So each individual location would be 
a name of a town, a name of a river, a name of a street that, that's local to it. And it wouldn't be able to really tell from looking at all the offices that they're underneath one management company or being supported by one organization. So our discussion and my, my co-founder and I had many discussions around this and which route to go ultimately ended up on branding the offices. They're not branded day one of our affiliation. They're branded over the course of time. And it's really allowed us to have a handle on our marketing, a handle on our social media. Otherwise, you're going to have every single practice would have a separate Facebook, a separate Twitter, a separate Instagram, and the list goes on and on of all the Google+, Plus, Yelp, etc. So uh, we're able to control that and aggregate it much easier by having a consistent brand. And the message is the same and the content and we have clear delivery as well as controlling the spend on a pay-per-click and social media perspective, as well as uh, SEO, search engine optimization. So those have all been easily able to be handled within within the company, uh, having it central and not having each of the individual practitioners support that. We do outsource a lot of this in terms of the management of our PPC campaigns, as well as our SEO campaigns and SEO management. We don't have that internal at this point. And that's a size factor right now in terms of not having just an overall the size of the revenue where that would be necessary to have internal at this point. Next bucket is IT. And very similar to the marketing piece, we have everything centralized here at uh, our support center and are supporting each of the practices individually. Uh, so they're not going out and procuring their own IT support. They're consuming that IT support here from uh, the true family from our support center. As opposed to marketing, we have built a team, so a full IT support team uh, that receives ticket requests from the practices, and they're able to handle it front to back, any single request that comes in. The thought process there was when you outsource that, you don't own that experience the entire way, and they're providing a service, obviously, but there's not an ongoing relationship, and there's not a familiarity between the service provider, it could be that outsource IT firm, and our team members. Because you'll, what happens is we've been able to create these relationships between our IT support team and all the practices that so they have someone they want to talk to. They've got an issue that they've seen before. Uh, it just creates a more favorable experience for the end user, which is our practitioners and our team members at the practice that we're providing these services to. So that is 100% centralized, even to the point of us building our own internal team to provide those services to to the practices. We outsourced that until we were mid 15 to 20 million of revenue and a similar number of practices, you know, 15 to 20 practices. What happened was the service levels just weren't where we wanted them to be. And it became apparent that we needed to, to bring this in. Also, if you look at the cost, um, obviously if you own something versus outsourcing it, you're gonna pay a lot. So we looked at that on a, on a per ticket basis of what we were paying. Also looked at it on how many supported devices we had and what we were paying for them. So in totality, it became a decision that we wanted to bring in. And the final bucket that I had mentioned earlier of the five is uh, compliance and legal. That is incredibly important. We're in the healthcare industry, making sure we've got the records of documents, the records of policies and procedures in place, uh, providing the utmost care and uh, to all, not only team members, but also patients. Uh, so early on, 
formalized relationships with vendors to provide that uh, service to us in terms of helping with annual training, creating audits, creating checklists and other things that were necessary. Uh, and that's continued to, we continue to maintain those vendor relationships. But as we've grown, we have individuals, uh, clinical directors, and others that are responsible for specific pieces of compliance both and legal aspects of the business as well. So the growth has allowed us to, once again, centralize and internal hires to be responsible for those specific buckets. Uh, and that's, that's how we've scaled and centralized the business and, and focused around a couple of different key areas, as well as the decisions that we made amongst those areas and why we insource and why we outsource as, as well as the timing from a ability to invest the capital to, uh, to be able to build that internally or remove it from the practice and go hire someone from an outsource perspective. A quick, quick question for you, Brandon. Being on a cloud solution day one, selecting um, Denicon, how have you been able to, uh, to be efficient enough using a cloud solution to be able to defer some of those decisions to allow you to focus on growth and spend? Yeah, that's a great question because there's a big difference between a cloud-based IT system and a server-based IT system. So our accounting is cloud-based, our ticketing system, pretty much everything that we've done has been focused on that cloud-based uh, for a couple of reasons. And first and foremost, what you mentioned is we don't have to go buy a server or spin something up. So we don't have, we don't have this big outlay of capital out of the gate. To be able to accomplish that. Number two, we've got we know precisely what our cost is on a granular level to be able to grow because we've got number of bodies, number of supported devices, number of patients served, whatever the uh, denominator might be. We can easily understand what we're going to be spending uh, into the future. So that's really efficient on our IT side. And then more importantly, we've got the excess capital that we didn't spend on going out and buying physical assets from a capital expenditure perspective that we can reallocate that into other areas of the business. And we can take that and go invest in the physical plant, take that and invest in actual hires to grow if we're going to insource something or have a new area, an investment that we want to make to be able to grow faster. So the cloud-based portion, very important. You're not, you don't have those capital expenditures day one. And and what are you guys thinking about next in terms of, you go into your five buckets, super helpful framework. Uh, and you talked a little bit about kind of where you guys are today, 30 million, 23 locations. What's next on the centralization roadmap? There's a lot of um, like debates on that one, I'd say, healthy debates. Uh, right now, we're going to get every phone on a VoIP system. So... When we go out and affiliate, we don't know what we're going to get, right? We're looking for quality providers, good books of business, and great physical plants in terms of our filters and looking at opportunities. But we're not going to choose, oh, we want this type of phone system in there. So we don't get to pick that. We, we get whatever we buy, and then we got to make it work. So we've got to be very focused on scalability to allow us to continue to grow, but then yet changes that need to be made. we got to make it efficiently, cost-effectively, and they can't be too disruptive to, to the practice and the patients. And management is key, too. So as the recent pandemic came up, we built the call center in 12 hours. Crazy, a lot of fun, a lot of work. But the biggest challenge was all the 23 offices, they had different phone systems, and we couldn't control it. So that was the, the lion's share of the work. 
Now, if you look at putting everything in the cloud, you're going to have an enterprise-level product where you can make changes remotely, spin something up for a new location or a new seat in terms of a new body, a new team member being able to use it. And that just makes it so much more effortless in terms of controlling what's going on. So that goes back to your cloud question. But yeah, VoIP is our is a big focus of us uh, that our Rob, our IT director, is rolling out right now to be able to control everything. Then the question is, new patient call center, um, after hours call center. Because once you have VoIP, then you've got the ability to really roll out a call center and make it more effective. Additionally, uh, another big project is moving to O365. We've used Google since the beginning and its ability to control some of the mobile devices and other products is a little more limited and we wanted to be able to have that total control. Another centralization product is business intelligence. So instead of having each of the offices running their analytics to understand what's happening in their business, have a product that that can give it to them so they're not spending time in the analysis, spending more time in the absorption and taking the data and making business decisions for each of their practices. So those are some of the some of the bigger ones that are that are there right now um, that uh, that come to mind. Thank you so much for that discussion. I think we're coming up close to our time here. There's a great overview of some of the benefits and difficulties when it comes to centralization. Discuss the cost efficiency that it can bring maintaining private feel under centralization by delineating between patient touch and non-touch functions, when to move towards centralization, spoke a bit about your very useful revenue threshold matrix, which describes the aspects of your business to centralize and when, how to maintain your brand, and some of the differences between cloud and server-based management systems. Um, So plenty there for our listeners to think about. Before you two go, uh, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit um, and ask you a couple of questions that we intend to ask all of our guests if that's all right the first one is uh, what is the best piece of advice that you've ever received brandon we can start with you it's not a specific piece of advice but it has continued coming from mentors friends uh, books i've read it's always keep learning because if Continuing to do that, you're always going to be able to progress forward. And so I always try to approach a situation, whether positive or negative, in that in that light of what's the learning from this and how do I continue to keep learning as an individual to keep growing. That's brilliant. I suppose an important element in that is to maintain intellectual humility. I mean, I think I, I see a lot from people that they think they, they know everything about a, sub, a subject because they've been involved with it for so long. But I think the truth is there's always stuff to learn. So thanks for that, Brandon. Eric, any advice? Hmm. So uh, probably somewhat cliche, but uh, love what you do. I think every time I go back to, particularly professionally, it's every time I go back to a job and I look at folks who are doing things and are unhappy with what they're doing, they're typically not su- super successful at doing it. So uh, I think really taking a step back and focusing on, are you enjoying it? How is this kind of fit within your current life is really important and advice that I often get as you start to think about getting older in life and, uh, and stuff like that. Uh, and finally, uh, self-isolating here in London. One benefit is that I've had the opportunity to read a little bit more uh, than I have previously. Uh, so I'm going to ask for a book recommendation from each of you. Uh, Brandon? 
Yeah, so I uh, I got a couple here. Uh, Radical Candor, Blind Spot, and How Will You Measure Your Life. Read those over the course of last year. and Just great from a personal development perspective in terms of difficult conversations, first and foremost, on the Radical Candor piece. Uh, blind Spot is just being aware of internal biases that we have that we have no idea that exist. Just making so many decisions on any given day. And if you've got this natural tendency that you don't know about, you gotta got to at least understand it before you can see if you need to alter it. And um, final one, the, how will you measure your life? Really, really great to, what do you want to spend your time doing? And what are your goals and aspirations, not only professionally, but personally as well? And so those three are personal development. And then one I just started uh, was um, Netflix, I Will Never Work. I love the books like Shoe Dog or the great entrepreneurial stories that are incredible reads and some an individual's ability to persevere through incredible hardship and create this business from nothing. And that's a, obviously the size of Netflix or Nike. Like those are just great reads for an entrepreneur like myself. Awesome. And uh, so mine are a little bit probably less self-improvement, a little bit more top, maybe topical. The one, the book I'm reading right now is Bill Bryson's The Body. And I actually started it. It's a long book, but I started it before the uh, the pandemic. But um, it's especially frightening when you realize how fragile the body is in light of all the news and everything you read today. But uh, but it's a really good book. He's, he's very approachable in his, his writing on a pretty complex topic. And it's pretty amazing to see kind of all the different stuff that, uh, that we live in every day. Thank you again to both of you. It's a great conversation. Um, and I very much hope that we'll be seeing you in December in Austin for Dentiform USA 2020. Absolutely. Can't wait for it. Looking forward. Great news. Thank you both. Thank you. Take care. Thank you for tuning in to Open Room Talks. We hope that you've enjoyed the episode. For inquiries, please feel free to get in touch via email on hello at openroomevents.com. For details on future episodes, please follow us on LinkedIn or visit openroomevents.com. Until next time.